Welcome to Habits for Happiness with Lady Fuller. The path to happiness is paved with healthy habits. We spend much of our lives searching for happiness when the key we're looking for is right there inside of us. We can discover that key through habit change, which you're about to learn about. Now, here is your host, Lady Fuller. Welcome to Habits for Happiness, the show where we discuss habits you can employ in your daily life to make you happier. Here on Habits for Happiness today to talk about the habit of, I might say this wrong, asynchronous communication is best-selling author and efficiency guru, Ari Mizell. Welcome, Ari. Thank you. And let me introduce you. You have a very robust bio, so I assume we'll talk more about that in the show. But I just want to give everybody a a sneak peek into you. And I want to first introduce you by saying that I listened to your book, um, Less Doing, More Living, in 2015, 2016, um, and it changed my life. I I used so many of the life hacks. Um, I'm a, a couple times CEO and have a lot of other things going on. So I needed to have efficiency in my life. And you really were the sort of catalyst for being hyper-efficient and allowing me to do all of my ADD interests. So anyways, Ari is described as an overwhelmologist. He's the guru's guru. Ari is an entrepreneur, CEO, author, real estate developer, green building consultant, and productivity expert. He's a renaissance person like myself. He's a graduate of the Wharton School of Business, and his discoveries about personal and professional productivity have improved the lives of thousands of individual and businesses. I am living proof. His proprietary process, the less doing, more system, is the foundation of his company, Less Doing, which offers individuals and enterprises road-tested methods to optimize, automate, and outsource everything. So if you're interested in listening in how to work smarter instead of harder, this episode is definitely for you. Um, And just welcome, Ari. It's such an honor to have you here with us today. Thank you very much for having me. And I'm really, uh, I'm grateful to hear that, that you, uh, the book had a positive effect on your life. It had a very positive effect. And I, from using a fancy hands assistant to using followup.cc, which I think currently hates me, we can talk about all of those things in just a little bit, but asynchronous communication. You know, I had to Google it when you told me this was the habit you chose. So I was like, what is that? (laughs) So tell us, what is it and why did you choose it as your habit? Well, so it's it's the opposite of what we're doing right now, right? So this is is (laughs) as synchronous as it gets. And for that very reason, uh, and I'll explain obviously at all, but this is the uh, only scheduled meeting that I have this entire week, actually. And that's, uh, that's really nice. So asynchronous communication, the opposite of what we're doing, right? So it's where you're not live, you're not synchronous, you can't do call and response kind of a thing in, in real time, see people's reactions, that kind of thing. And it's something that all of us do anyway with a lot of the tools that we have, but we don't really treat them that way. So email is technically an asynchronous tool, as is text messaging. My tool of choice is called Voxer. And yeah. it's a voice communication app that's got some unique features that like WhatsApp and Telegram and stuff don't, which we can, we can get into. But the app is not really important. The main thing is about asynchronous. So the, the point there is that you're allowing people to communicate on both sides when and where is best for them. And in theory, that should provide the best results. That's, that's sort of my argument. So a long time ago, I started switching to doing more and more asynchronously. And I really, I feel like pushed a lot of the boundaries for that in terms of the things that people felt like you had to be in person or live to be able to get done, like closing a big deal, working with clients, managing a team, that kind of stuff. So I would say at this point, 99% of my communication is done asynchronously uh, over Voxer. Uh, I am a one-on-one coach to couple dozen people all around the world and work with uh, a couple providers and outsource providers because we've had and as i said this is the only scheduled meeting i have this entire week i feel honored i feel honored so so tell me so someone listening could say because this could be a counter argument that asynchronous communication is has a delay, obviously a natural delay, because the other person has to respond to a Voxer or a text or an email or a Loom, which I love, or whatever. And as a result, therefore, we inhibit maximum efficiency. What would you say to that? Right. So that's a perfect 
uh, opening question there. So, so first of all, one of the unique features of Voxer, uh, there's a lot of tools that allow you to communicate with voice. You can even do it with Slack, Teams, and stuff now with mm -hmm. voice messages. But all of them have the it's set up so that basically, if I want to send you a message, and let's say it's a 10 minute message, which is not unusual for me with my clients. Uh, so I record the 10 minute message, then it has to upload, then you receive it, you download it, you listen to it, and go back and forth, vice versa. Voxer is the only tool of that ilk that allows you to actually communicate synchronously as well. So with Voxer, within 0.2 seconds of somebody beginning to speak, somebody on the other side can begin to listen. So it actually makes for a much more fluid experience. And what's nice about that is that in that way, it can feel like a phone call. But then if somebody gets busy or whatnot on the other side, you can continue the conversation sort of whenever you feel like you should want to. The thing that's so different about that for me is that so I do this for coaching and this right. is I think a good way to sort of show the, the difference previously when I started out coaching you would do like one hour you know live session or in person at that time with the client so first of all there's a there's a limit to that but just picture the scenario that it's Friday at four o'clock and you're my client and you had a bad day and you got an argument with a with a client, you uh, yelled at an employee and you're pissed and you're going into the weekend. Is it better for you to wait till Wednesday at noon for our one hour appointment to get the three minute answer that you need? Or does it make more sense for you to get it off your chest right then and there, rant, rave, curse, whatever you need to do, get it out in that moment and then go about your weekend and then have me get back to you four hours later, one day later, maybe with the 90 second silver bullet answer that you actually need. Um, because, because what it also does is it creates space that most of us just don't get in a lot of conversations, you know, even right now, and this is not, this is not a critique at all, but you're reacting to things I'm saying, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're pursing your lips, you're moving around. Mm -hmm. And I, as somebody who has done a lot of speaking, a lot of times I'm going to read that and without it's, it's uncontrollable. I'm going to modify what I do and say, right. With asynchronous communication, you not only have this sort of vacuum space where you freely talk and say what you need to say or want to say, but it also allows the other person to really process it and give you the most effective answer, not just the quickest. Um, and I will say that there have been many times where somebody, a client has sent me a message and my initial response is like, blow up, like <laughs> fire that person. Like, like I'll be like, well, that's crazy. I can't believe you did that. Fire that person. That would be my initial response, but I don't do that. And then I'm like, well, maybe they were thinking about it this way. And this, was, and then I go, I could go through three or four or five iterations, finally get back to them. It's like, this is what you should do. And it's just, so, it's amazing. I love this. And so what asynchronous communication or what I'm hearing from you sort of teases this idea. It allows us to be more responsive and less reactive. And, you know, I'm a coach as well. And that's probably the number one quality that most everybody, the CEOs at least that I coach with want is the ability to respond and not react. Right. So it allows us this space to sort of process. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And, and ultimately give people a better answer because as a coach, you very well know that like, if somebody asks us a question, we can't just sit there and be quiet, right? We're supposed to be the people with the answer. So there's going to be some inevitable amount of pageantry and, maybe even, a, you know, delaying that comes along with the things that we're going to say so that we can get the actual point out that we need to. And there have certainly been times where in retrospect, I've had a meeting or a conversation with somebody and I'm like, you know, probably should tell them this way and, and, I'll, and I'll follow up. But having that space to, to really process it correctly is, is incredible. Yeah, it's totally incredible. So what would you say to people that are listening? They're like, yeah, but every time I get a text message that pisses me off or an email that pisses me off, <laughs> responding and pressing the buttons with all my thumbs. So that's the problem with a lot of tools that people use that are technically asynchronous tools that uh, they use in almost like a synchronous manner, like it's pulling on their attention, right? So, so part of this, is, uh, actually a big part of this is a mindset thing. And it's mm -hmm. really about thinking that like, these are your tools to communicate with your world. They're really not meant to be these sort of like open and leashes that people just pull on whenever they want, but that's how a lot of people do it. And if you think about text messaging, right? The way that, the way that we're supposed to send text messages, right? is like type, 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 put 
put it down, go back to what you're doing. But what a lot of people do is they type, 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 and then they're like, up oh, three bubbles, you know, okay, they're typing. <laughs> Why'd they stop typing? You know, like, and, and that's what starts to take your attention because the other thing that asynchronous communication allows you to do is contrary to a lot of, pop, contrary, I'm sorry, counterintuitively, uh, it doesn't break your focus on what you're doing. Because if I'm, like, if I'm deep in thought and I'm writing something, let's say I'm writing a blog post and I get a thought, I can drop that on Boxer very quickly and, and it, it actually is low focus at that point and go back to what I'm doing without really interrupting what I'm doing. I'm technically interrupting it, but it doesn't really break the flow. Uh, so uh, when you start to get in that habit, you start to recognize that like these are your tools, then you're not responding to notifications in the same way. And furthermore, and this is a really, really important one, most people use communication tools incorrectly, especially when they're in companies. And what it really comes down to is not being intentional about what tools we use for what things. Okay. So, tell us more. So like incorrectly, that got my attention. Incorrectly. Yeah. How, how are we so, using them incorrectly? Cause I use all of them. I, I love these tools. As I said, I use Slack and loom and um, yeah. Foxer and everything. And so when should we be using what tools when? Well, so that's up to you. And the thing is, is that that's usually left up to a very implicit non-express conversation that leads to be made explicit. Meaning, I actually, so companies need to have and, and individuals need to have multiple communication tools. I would never say that about anything else. You don't want to have multiple project management tools, multiple accounting softwares, but communication tools are really important. And it's, it, it is really the, the most giant meaty topic of productivity because everything sort of trickles down from that. So we need to be intentional about what we're using for what. So at minimum, Every company should have four kinds of communication tools. One is a conversational tool. Uh, for me, in my company and my team and people I work with, that's that's Voxer. But it could be Slack. It could be whatever you want it to be. But everyone knows that that's what it is. That's, that's the primary one. Yep. For okay. conversation. Slack, in my team, is a procedural information tool. So everyone needs to have a procedural information tool. So Slack is a great place to be like, hey, everybody. Here's the new flyer for the workshops coming up next right. week, like mark calendars. Slack is not the place for somebody to be like, yeah, I don't really like the color. And oh, should we get, it's like, it's not a good place to discuss a task or project, but it's a good place for people to sort of know what's going on and what they need to know. Yeah. You know, in my, in my, I have a company in Denver and I live in the mountains. So, um, and I have a, 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 I found a CFO because of you on WeWork that works in Turkey. And so Actually, any financial mail, the the office manager will open and put on Slack for us in the finance channel. So that would be an example. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, I would say if it's an actionable item, then that probably should go right into a project management tool, which is what okay. I'm getting to. Uh, the third type of tool is something that bridges the gap between internal and external communication. This is a really important one. I said people use something correctly. Email should never ever under any circumstances be used for internal communication. Mm, this is a big one. People listen, listen. This is a really big one because a lot of the overwhelm that people feel. Uh, so it, whenever I used to speak around the world and travel and stuff, you know, when we could do that kind of thing, I would always like to, I'd always ask the audience, what's your biggest productivity challenge? And I, I've spoken on four continents. The number one thing that comes up across the board is email. Everybody says email. Uh, and that's a whole other thing because the email problem is a decision-making problem. But for the most part, people are using email for too many different things. And internal conversation is generally more conversational. Email is a very transactional, very ping pong yeah. type of a tool to use for communication. You know, it's, it's great if it's like, hey, I'm a customer. How much is this thing you sell? Well, it's this much. Do you want to buy it? Yes. When would you like? It's very like back and forth. But internal conversations when done over email result in the BCCs and the forwards of 23 people on a thread that have no idea what's going on. So email has to be eliminated completely as an internal tool. So then that begs the question, what do we do when we get an email from the outside and we need to discuss it? That's where that number three comes in. So there are tools like Intercom or Front or Drift, which end up being these sort of shared inboxes, almost mm -hmm. like a customer service ticketing system where email can come in from a vendor, a sales lead, whatever it might be. And people can discuss it there. They can own it. They can assign it. They can do what they need. And everyone can sort of see it without bouncing around 25 more emails internally. And then the fourth tool is a place where things get done. So technically, that would be a project management tool. And for me, that's going to be Trello. But 
the point of that being part of the communication sort of SOP, we call it, is that once you begin to discuss a task or a project, something that has action to it, it needs to leave the communication realm and go into the project manager realm because that's yes. where it's actually going to work done. So what ends up more happening for most people is, you know, they send somebody a Slack message that they don't get back to them. So then they text them. They don't get back to them on that. So then they call them. And then when we're in person, they go down the hall and knock on the door. It's like, hey, I was in a meeting. So like, there's no sense of where we do what. And then urgency is the last thing I wanted to say about this. Urgency is a big one because urgency is very relative, right? So what's urgent to one person is rarely urgent to another. And if you don't state outright as a leader of a team, what counts as urgent? And for me, urgent is something that I want to be interrupted for. That's the definition. And the only thing in my life, there's nothing in my business that would count as urgent in my opinion. And I've stated that very clearly with the people I work with. The only thing that's urgent in my life is something having to do with my kids or my wife. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, the, but, but you get a new person on a team or in a company, they'll think everything is urgent, you know? Oh, a client's not happy. Oh, shoot. I got to call the boss right now. You know, and it, it creates this whole cascade because nobody ever told them different. Yeah, I love that. So one thing I want to talk about, there's too, so much I want to talk about, but the one thing I want listeners to grasp is just give us a brief elevator speech or longer, if you want, the story from how you got to become this guru's guru, how you became this overwhelmologist, because you have a, a beautiful story and the audience loves stories. So, so give us some context. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the shortish version is that when I was 23, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is a chronic inflammatory condition that affects the digestive tract. It's considered to be incurable and is very debilitating, very painful. And I got very sick and I was taking a lot of venison and was under enormous amount of stress in my life. And I got to this sort of low point in the hospital where I just, I, I didn't, I knew I had to change something. And I started getting into biohacking and analysis and optimization and started to feel better with that. And then I got to this point where I still had to run my business. I had, I had amassed quite a bit of personal debt in a real estate development project I did at college and there was no time. And basically the question that came up for me was what would you do if you could only work an hour a day? Mm. And that has been the driving question for everything that I've done since then, because First of all, there was no system out there at the time and, and still, in my opinion, that addresses that issue. Most productivity systems are trying to get you to get as much work as done possible, as much output as possible. And, you know, even the, the four-hour work week, right? There's, right. Do you not, think he really works four hours a week? <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, I, I know Tim. And no, he, he doesn't. But he also, that he never said that he did, you know, and yeah. that, like, that idea doesn't really sort of make sense anyway. Like the an hour a day is a really interesting sort mm -hmm. of mind bender for people because if you ask somebody, what would you do if you only work an hour? Uh, if you had to leave the office by four, for example, most people just say that skip lunch and they just get it done and skip lunch. But you ask, what would you do if you only had an hour at that point? It's really not a question about what would you do? It's what wouldn't you do? And the mm -hmm. things that you wouldn't do still have to get done. So you need systems and processes to make that happen. Uh, and, you know, as I mentioned before, I, I think at this point I'm coaching currently 26 or 27 clients, and I think in it's eight or nine time zones, and I don't okay. spend more than 20 minutes a day doing that because of asynchronous communication. Wow, awesome! So no more no more hour long coaching calls. No, and, and I mean I, it's not even an, it's not even an option. It's not, and and by the way, I still charge the same amount that I used to charge at that point. So I've effectively figured out a way to scale one on one coaching. Yeah, which is which is difficult, right? And, well, Unless and furthermore, I, I do my sales over Boxer as well. So I don't do sales calls either. Yeah, love it. So you're breaking the mold here. So tell us, so one of the things you do, and I think is just totally amazing because I work with startup founders and I have a lot of friends who've started companies and I'm in a business group. And this idea of becoming a replaceable entrepreneur or placeable founder is like, when I read that on your website, like my mind started like, like smoking because it's so good. How do you make yourself a replaceable founder? Yeah. So that's a, that's a really big sort of gut shot for a lot of people to think about that. So the idea with the founders, we want to make everybody in the business as replaceable as possible, everybody, 
founder down to yeah. whoever. And to be clear, we're not talking about replacing people. We want to become more replaceable. Mm-hmm. So to do that, we have to create systems and processes that replace a lot of things that we do well. We have to be able to delegate effectively and communicate the things that we need done. And when you sort of hit the arc of that, as I can very confidently say I have, <laughs> you realize that you actually have to get out of the way uh, to allow the company to really grow beyond you. Because just as with a bottle, right, the bottleneck is at the top. and more often than not, entrepreneurs are hurting their companies more than they are helping them, which sounds crazy. But no, it sounds logical. <laughs> We're all hurting ourselves more than we want to be. <laughs> I mean, I, I really believe that a lot of entrepreneurs create companies to sort of subconsciously process their own issues. And what I've found more and more, I've been doing this for over, I think, 12 years now, a lot of the work that I end up doing is helping protect the entrepreneur's team from the entrepreneur's mind. Mm, Tell me more. Well, (laughs) everyone knows about like the, the, there's the entrepreneurs who are the, uh, the quick stars, the ADD, you know, entrepreneurs, and they go to a conference and they hear this amazing idea and they come back to their company. Like, Hey, everybody, we're doing things this way now, because I just found out about this thing, go to it. Like, and then they go off and do something else. We actually, we call it pigeon leadership, right? So they fly in, all over everything and fly out. <laughs> uh, and you see that a lot. And then the other problem that happens with that is that, the, and it's all comes down to communication, is there's a concept in accounting, which is FIFO and LIFO, right? Mm-hmm. So first in, first out, last in, first out. Think about like a supermarket, right? Yes. The soup cans are the last ones in or the first ones out. Uh, I was about to say a lot, but I'd say the majority of teams that don't have, have had, haven't had this sort of conversation around this, they work on a very much a LIFO kind of system whereby the last thing the boss said needs to get done is now the most important mm. and everything else sort of gets pushed to the side and nobody kind of knows why. And there's a serious butterfly effect that, that happens where like two weeks later, three weeks later, everybody's missing deadlines and nobody understands what happened. Um, and a lot of that is the boss legitimately being like, I want this thing done. My team can do it, do it. Although I feel like we see less and less of that. Uh, now, I think some of it is just that entrepreneurs, especially really talented, innovative entrepreneurs, are so in their head that it's really hard to understand, like, that they'll just under, they'll get that this is not something I need to have done now. Like, we'll just sort of fit this into the lineup and get it done. But as I said, a lot of what I end up doing is actually helping people make the, ex, the implicit explicit. Yeah. So how do you like, so you're a leader or you're running something, maybe you're running a household, <laughs> you're a leader in some capacity. How do you, how do you buck the LIFO effect of how do you let people know what priorities are pressing and important versus, you know, the last thing you said? Yeah. And and so the whole idea of the space that gets created by asynchronous communication really plays into this because what's a lot of what we're trying to do is space because the, you know, an entrepreneur can go from zero to 60 in, in like light speed, essentially on an idea. And one of the things that this, this really starts with the entrepreneur, with the leader, and that is idea capture. So idea we need capture, to sorry, I just process. want to say that it's so awesome. Idea capture. Okay, go ahead. Well, we need to have a process for that. And a lot of times I'll say, you know, it, who has a process for idea capture? Everyone, when I always love this in like workshops and stuff, people like hold up their, their spiral notebook. It's like, yeah, great. Okay, you're writing ideas down that. Do you ever go back and look at them? What happens to them? There are three different minds, really. The, the, the ideation phase, you know, where you actually come mm-hmm. up with the idea, which can happen anywhere. There's the sorting that needs to happen, which could be hours or days later. And then there's the actual execution, which could be days or weeks later. And a lot of entrepreneurs try to compress those into one quick period. They end up going off for three hours and doing something and finding out it was a terrible idea. Meanwhile, halfway through, they told their team to do it. Like, it just creates this whole jumble where everyone's trying to play catch up all the time and everything's on fire. So what I'm proposing doesn't slow things down in a way that would hinder the progress of the project or the idea, but it just puts it through a little bit of a process. So we capture ideas when and where we can, and there's all methodology around that system and then we sort them at another time and decide like okay this is this was not a great idea i'll you know let that go or this is a really great idea and then there's a process for how we actually bring that to the team 
if it's a really, really big project, I have this prop, this framework called the three W's where you're identifying what the project is and why it's important, but then handing that over to an ops person or someone who's actually going to put it into play. And they say uh, who and when and the why's for both of those. And then it's sort of like come to a meeting of the minds. And then we also have something called the six levels of delegation where we're delegating at different levels, depending on the responsibility that we want to give over to somebody else and how little we're going to be involved. And all of that is done in a very clarifying way, uh, which, which makes the whole process better for everybody. Yeah. And, and, and avoids the pigeon pooping effect that us entrepreneurs will do. And everyone who's ever worked for me, is probably laughing right now because I am queen of the, you know, ideating, ideating, and then like, you know, everybody running after me trying to like keep up with the process. So, so the space piece is healthy, not just for the team, but also for the entrepreneur in being able to, you know, marinate on the ideation, catch it. And it's sort of this concept of um, sort of slowing down to speed up because I'm guilty of that more than anything. And I love there's an ancient African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go slow, go with others. And yes. I think that <laughs> so I think this is um, this is very applicable and we do need to head to a break. But when we come back, I want to talk more on this, this ideation phase and how we can capture our ideations, because it's one of my favorite topics. Um, and there are shower notes in here that are some of my favorite tools. So, yes, what to do when you have an amazing thought in the shower. Stay tuned to hear about that when we come back for break. Hang tight, everyone. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Try out a free coaching session with your host, Lady Fuller, to learn more about her individualized and corporate coaching programs. Learn to drop bad habits and pick up healthier habits to live a healthier life. Email her at lady at happinessmba.com. That's L-A-D-Y at happiness mba.com or check out our coaching business at habits the letter for happiness.com voice america programs are now available on your favorite connected device including amazon alexa and google home through streams with apple podcasts tune in and iHeartRadio. listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast hey alexa Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Want to reward clients, customers, or employees with a gift that will blow their socks off? We at International Gifting Company have your next corporate event covered. We carry 250 personalized gifts for on-site incentive events. Or we can create virtual gift boxes your employees and clients can receive at home. Contact us today for a quick and free proposal. We love to wow. Contact info at intlgiftingco.com or check out our webpage at intlgiftingco.com. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Habits for Happiness. To reach the show today, call into 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Now, back to our program, and here again is Lady Fuller. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for hanging in there. We're here with Ari Mizell talking about productivity and how you too can become. Um, unoverwhelmed and sort of the guru of your own life and time, which Ari helped me through his work and it's just changed my life completely. And so I want to go back to ideation. We talked about the shower before the break, but I am an ideator. I read Elizabeth Gilbert's, if you haven't read it, Big Magic, and she talks about the whole process of ideation in it. It's so amazing. And she has this 
this little girl she's talking about who's out in the field and has a poem come to her and she's running as fast as she can back to the house to try to write it down because our ideas sort of flow through us. And then there is a period of time where they're with us. And then, you know, if you, if you come up, we all come up with ideas, but if you often come up with ideas, then, then they're sort of gone. Right. And in your work, you talked about this idea of having an idea in the shower. And then we oftentimes repeat it to ourselves, like until we can finally towel off and, and write it down. So tell me all of the methodology you recommend for capturing our ideas. Well, so, well, okay. So first of all, you really should design your life, I was going to say, but I guess your environment so that you're never more than 20 seconds away from capturing an idea. Uh, And that's an important, that's an important number. Uh, We've, it's uh, been studied really extensively that if something is 20 seconds easier, basically, it's a lot more likely to become a habit. Uh, and if something's 20 seconds harder, it's less likely. So, you know, if you want to drink more water, like put a water cooler near your desk, so you don't have to go to the kitchen and like you will drink more water. This means I should buy an exercise bike. So it's 20 seconds away from me. So I'll actually exercise. <laughs> put it yes. in the way of your doorway. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, we digress. Go ahead. So. Uh, for the it, back, you know, like seven years ago, there was there was a lot more things that I had to do to make that realistic. And the shower one you're, you're talking about is the uh, aquamates, right? So the yes, the waterproof post-it pad that goes in your well, it's meant for scuba diving, but you can put in the shower and write ideas on it, um, which I definitely had uh, several. Now it's pretty much Alexa everywhere, right? So we have uh, I think eleven Alexas in our house, and I've been having it in a car. And so at any point, I can basically say, Alexa, add so-and-so to my list. Um, and using IFTTT, which is automation software, it will take whatever I added and it will put it into my Trello board as a new card uh, because I sort things in Trello. It's part of my sort of nightly routine as I go into Trello and I go go through all the ideas for the day. But this has so many different forms. And the, the, the number one sort of hack on this one is screenshots, which I love this one. So Again, with IFTTT, you can download the app on your phone and you can basically set it up so that if you take a screenshot on your phone and think about that, right, you can't unread a, uh, a text message. You can't mark a Facebook message unread. Uh, let's say you're listening to a podcast or there's a website or whatever. You click the two buttons on your phone and take a screenshot that can now become a Trello card. And then at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, I can go through the eight or nine Trello cards for the day and be like, all right, this is something I wanted to buy. So I'm going to send this to a VA to order. This is something I want to read. So I'm going to put that over here. This is something I need to tell my wife about. This is something I need to assign to whoever it might be. And I can just sort of sort and play hop a bit. Uh, so uh, Alexa is sort of the short answer to all of that now. But you can do it with Siri to some extent. You can do it with Google Home to some extent. But I want to uh, just pause. Ari has 11 Alexas in his house. <laughs> So if they're listening, you're screwed, but (laughs) I'm kidding, but tell us how the IFTT is, did I get that right? Because that is an integral part of this process. Yeah. So IFTTT stands for if this, then that, and it's, it's just very simple. It, it, I mean, I've done so many videos on this that are on YouTube and stuff, but it's, it couldn't be easier. It's a two-step automation. Basically you go in, you say what the trigger is. The trigger is new item added to Alexa shopping list or to-do list, whatever it is. And then the outcome is whatever you want. And it could be a Trello card. It could be an IFTT has a, an email digest feature. So you can basically say at nine o'clock at night, I want to get a email with all of the screenshots of the day. And, and it can combine all those different things. So uh, it basically makes it that you can capture ideas, move on and not think about it again until later when you're in a different headspace and you can sort it. And, and there's, there's something that is so is really relevant. And I, I think this is just a wonderful sort of anecdote here, but the ancient Greeks had a general sort of philosophy that you should make every decision twice, once while drunk and the second time while sober. Uh, if they match up, you're good to go. You know, and so, it, it, but it, we, we live, we have different mindsets at different times of the day. And as everybody knows, there are times of the day when you are really amped up and energetic. And there are other times of the day where you are a cranky, you know, not nice person right so like <laughs> you're gonna say something else but yes we can insert the, our idea in our heads okay well and just one more thing to drive that even further home like people you know have prenuptials for when they get married like do you think you should be negotiating your prenup when you're in love or when you're trying to get divorced and you hate each other 
right? So like there's there's different mindsets within which- <laughs> I'm divorced, so no comment, but yes. <laughs> yes, I understand your idea. Okay, so, and then an- another piece of this is you talk a lot about, you know, having this white space during the day and having these systems and these systems using this app that can give you the sorting ability at night through your ideas. And so a lot of this is about caring for your brain, right? And caring for your most precious resource that as an entrepreneur or a CEO or or a high productive person or whatever is something that we need to think about. And I tell my clients this, if this is your, if your brain, which I'm pointing to is your, is your best asset and we've got to care for it like a Fabergé egg, right? And, And having too much inputs all the time is not the best way to care for it. Well, and furthermore, holding on to those things is not good. You know, let's just it, not to, I mean, it shouldn't be too graphic of an idea for people, but think about it with food, right? So like, let's say you ate something, let's say you ate caviar, right? It was amazing. This is, would you, like, if you could, would you just want to hold on to that in your stomach for hours and hours and hours? Like, n- no, right? Because bad things would happen. You would not, yeah. you would not come out well on the other end of that scenario. So ideas are no different. Like if we hold on to these ideas, uh, brains are great for coming up with ideas. They're very bad for holding on. Very um, bad for holding on. Yes. And so tell me, you know, so one of the things you espouse that I love it so much is, is, is making yourself happy through self-care and other things to give your brain time to rest and rejuvenate, just like you would your body if you were running marathons every week. And so what do you do in the self-care realm to give yourself some white space? Yeah. So it, it's, um, there's there's some really interesting research that basically tells us that well, we all know the in all the different studies about how like we have no attention span anymore and everybody's got ADD and there's too much input, which is probably there's some element of that's true. But there's been some really cool studies that have shown that sort of invariably, if you have a long sort of focused work with your hands, that will cut through a lot of that noise. Wow. So and a lot of us don't get that opportunity now if there's so much digital stuff happening. So during the pandemic, I sort of randomly picked up woodworking as a hobby. And now it's mm. way, way more than a hobby in a lot of ways. And a lot of a lot of my a lot of my time is spent building things um, all day. I mean, I I two hours this morning, I was just building this uh free little library for my brother and sister-in-law for their house. You know, one of those whatever. Yeah, no, I lo- uh, I have one, I love them. Yes. Yeah. So I'm building one of those. Uh, and that is, I've never had something in my entire life where I could just spend hours doing something. And in some cases, there's no purpose to it because if you're learning woodworking, if you're learning a joinery technique, for example, joining two pieces of wood together, you can spend hours literally just to put two scrap pieces of wood together, just to see how it fits and looks and throw it out and you're done, you know, and, and that seemed, would seem crazy to me in the past. So that, that is a big one, uh, for me. It also has, is, it's going to sound crazy, but the EMS work that I do is one of the most gratifying and in some ways, oddly like stress reducing for me. Um, I work, mm. I work in Princeton, New Jersey, where we, where we live, uh, which is a pretty quiet, nice, like well-off community, but I also work in Trenton, uh, New Jersey, which is one of the, I think most dangerous cities in the entire country. And it's insanity. Like it's just, an, it's an absolute insane experience every time I work there. But I love it. Like it's, I just do really well with that kind of pressure. And that, oddly, I know it doesn't sound like self care, but it kind of is. Um, yeah. No. And and I think one of the things, if, if we could talk about woodworking for a second, is the only time you know for most of us that we do things that are purposeless, right? That are things that are maybe not on our to do list or aren't getting us across the finish line somewhere, you know, we're not straving about a bike ride or whatever. Those are the things that we, we partook in as kids, right? So like my children will go outside and build a ski jump or whatever, and they're doing it just for fun. They may never use it again, but they're doing it because it's about creating and building and it, it, there's something magical there. And I I don't want to sound too woo, woo, but I think we as adults get away from sort of this purposeless um, endeavors, which calm us in such a healthy way. Yeah. We always, a lot of people just feel like they need to be doing things all the time. Um, 
and then they end up not doing them because they start procrastinating and that's where like Netflix and chill comes in. <laughs> plus, <laughs> so how- plus also I have, I have four small children, 10 and under. Right. So like, I'm, I mean, my day starts at five 30 in the morning and I usually get to bed around midnight. Like it's, it, it doesn't that. So that's something really important just because I'm doing 20 minutes of work a day. Like I don't stop ever. Yeah. And it's great. I'm, I, I haven't been, I haven't worked out in literally years, but you know, a couple of days ago, I moved 6,000 pounds of gravel by myself at the house. Like it's, yeah, that's, that's. There are studies, not to get into the blue zone, but the people who live the longest actually don't do CrossFit, sorry, CrossFit. And they're not, you know, extending themselves. The people who live the longest are engaged in the daily activities that people, you know, gardening, walking, these things that actually are, you know, natural body movements that aren't breaking our bodies down. They're actually making our life, <laughs> our, our bodies better. So that's just, that's just support for your lifestyle. But I do want to say, just if you didn't hear that, Ari has four kids under the age of 10, 11 Alexas and works 20 minutes a day. <laughs> it's a very full life and spends a lot of time, um, you know, doing things that bring him joy. So I want to go into this. You, you mentioned this in your work that we should, you know, reframe from the minutia to what makes us happy. So you may have people listening that think, yeah, but if I, if I spend time on the things that make me happy, which is really sort of one of the points of the show, then all these things will, bad things will happen, right? We've conditioned ourselves to believe that if we're not self-flagellating and like moving through a day, like, you know, crazy, you know, crazily and frenetically, then we, the world will fall apart. How do we reframe that? So uh, productivity is producing more, right? Being more productive is producing more. Uh, Efficiency is producing more with less. Effectiveness is producing the right things. Um, And I think that we really need to be focused more on producing the right things and doing the right things rather than just doing more. Uh, And, and, you know, this is always, I always find this funny how people tend to react to this and I don't expect you to, but just people listening, I've outsourced thousands and thousands of things in my life, thousands of dollars of things, everything you can imagine. Uh, We have not, we've never had a nanny. We don't have a housekeeper. We don't have a cook. You know, my wife and I do everything here now and there is nothing just about, just about nothing that happens. At the, and we, we live in a, a, like a 120 year old house. There is almost nothing that happens in this house or on the property that I or we don't do ourselves. And I certainly could hire that out. And I do the dishes at night, you know, and people think some, some of my clients think that that's nuts. So like, how's that a good use of your time? Like, because I get to think, and then I answer you, you know, the question that you had, like, I get to answer you because I spent 10 minutes doing the dishes. And yeah, Bill, my Bill Gates does the dishes because it allows him times to think. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, it's, and again, the 20 minutes of coaching a day, I do like, I, I have a couple of clients that I speak to every single day. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I, I, we are getting more done in less time. It, and does that mean that I could have, you know, 10 times as many clients if I worked 10 times as many minutes? No. Um, I mean, I guess I technically could, but that's not the point. Uh, I, I'm, we're moving much bigger rocks this way. Mm. And yeah, speaking of which, I moved an 800 pound rock on our property a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be 40 in two weeks." And oh, my happy early was, birthday! Welcome to the club. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, and like my proudest thing after like four hours of moving, like I, we did. I ended up moving this rock, but I was like, I didn't hurt myself. <laughs> that yeah. was like the big win. <laughs> But it was about doing it smarter. Like, I mean, you know, I probably could have hired five guys to come in and do it or like rented a backhoe, but I used my brain and, you know, I got to the end. My kids get to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's about what I hear you saying is like making time for the things that fulfill us and doing the necessary things, but being really clear on the necessary and then the ability to outsource, right? You talk about in your work that we should never be running errands. And for you, errand addicted people out there, <laughs> tell us about that, that, how we should never be running errands in our modern world. Uh, so I, I think that that is the language I use. I would modify that to say that we should never have to run errands. Okay. Um, and so 
because I do uh, sometimes, and I, I, but I batch it and make it very efficient the way that I do it. I'll put everything in one kind of uh, you know trip. But also for me, anytime I'm in the car, I can listen to a client's message or respond. Right. So there's almost like no such thing as a as a as a time when I can't move something forward that way. So, uh, but the key is, and, and same thing with the company, like with the replaceable founder idea. It's not that uh, you shouldn't be doing the minutia. It's not that you shouldn't be doing the dishes or running errands, but you never want to feel like you have to. And more importantly, you should never feel like if you, that you have to, and if you don't, things are going to crumble. And this is where the concept of catching up really, I hate, and it's a really insidious idea for a lot of people. When somebody goes away on vacation for a week and they're like, oh, well, I'm just catching up today. I always really jump down my client's throats on that one. It's like, don't, don't use the words. Don't say you're catching up because if you have to catch up, something is broken. There's a system that's not there. So let's analyze why that is. It's more that you were on a track, you got on another track, and now you're back on the track that you were on. We're not mm-hmm. catching up. If the company slows down or or, or halts, whatever, while you're away, some system is missing. You should never have to catch up. You should never be punished for going off and doing something else, which will allow you to learn and explore and discover and bring those contributions back to the business. Yeah. Anyway. And so go ahead. I interrupted you. Uh, that's it. So one of the things that comes up for me when saying this, especially about entrepreneurs and CEOs, I've coached a lot of people in the C-suite, is we definitely have a positive intention by putting ourselves in a place where we are irreplaceable. And there's a positive intention to making ourselves, you know, have to catch up because we, because if if there wasn't a positive intention, we wouldn't do it. So <laughs> I have a question of that. Yeah, so you have a question? I said I would I would I would second that. that. Yeah. That. So so I guess what you had said earlier is a lot of founders and folks create companies so that they are the sort of needed person and and are is one of the things you're saying and I'm just trying to understand the whole context that sometimes because we need to belong and we need to matter that we make things harder than they are so that we have to be the one to approve everything and um, everyone has to wait on us and we can't have systems that are more efficient, effective. Right. Exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, the, uh, how many kids do you have? Two. And uh, like what age is roughly? 10 and 12. Okay. So it's very bittersweet. I feel like as a parent to at some point when you realize that you're hopefully trying and constantly trying to teach them to need you less. Yes. Right. They're going to stop liking me soon, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my my six-year-old daughter will not go to sleep without me lying down in bed with her and telling her a story. And some nights I'm like, this is really, I, like, I, I'm so tired. I don't want to do this tonight. But it's like, am I, you should not go into it at some point. I would be like, hey, do you want me to tell you a story? And she would say no, and it's going to suck. You know, but, but it's going to make her, more independent, better, and a person that she can be proud of and that I can be proud of. So uh, it is hard in some situations for people to recognize that like, they had a great idea to start this company. They built a great team, but at some point they stopped growing and they stopped being able to add to the level where they're at. They need to operate at a different level. And if you, I had a professor in college who always say, never be irreplaceable because if you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And even if you're at the top of your game, promoted to whatever's next for you. Right? I mean, a promotion to an entrepreneur could be the next company. It could be a bigger right. house, it could be a new marriage, whatever it may be. A new town, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's always, no, there's always the idea of Kaizen is very important. The constant improvement for the good, the constant change for the good. Oh, I love that so much. So tell us, so like, you know, as we close here, if people want to find more of you, what is the way that they can book you to speak? They can, you know, coach with you, learn about your books, et cetera, et cetera. So if they want to learn about me and all my programs and whatnot, they can go to lessdoing.com. Everything is there. But uh, if you want to get in touch with me on Voxer, you can do that too. So you can actually go to voxwithre.com and it explains how it works and I really mean this freely, like reach out, get in touch. That's how, that's how this works. People contact me all the time and I love it. I'm always happy to answer boxer questions. 
Yeah. And so of all the, the, the hacks that you have, all of the, do you have one, is, is it Voxer one, you know, communication tool that you love the most? I mean, it is asynchronous communication in general, but yes, Voxer. Voxer has just absolutely been a, a total game changer in my life. Um, oh, I love that. And we didn't have time to talk about it, but you did talk about the ability when we're making change to do a lot of tracking. So I've been looking at the Aura Ring. I wanted to ask, do you use an Aura Ring or do you track sort of all of your habits, physical habits that way? Uh, I did. I used to do all that. Um, I, I actually had one of the first Aura Rings of one of their testers and it's great. It's I, it, 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 For health tracking device, I think that's it is the best one there is. But at this point, it's it, the, I'm not going to say like, I, I don't need to improve anymore, but I've gotten to that point now where I, I'm a lot better at sort of understanding my body and where things are at. And so I don't necessarily need to do as much tracking. Like I don't need the aura ring to tell me that I don't sleep enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're like, I'm, I'm on to that. But I do do, I, I use a company called Inside Tracker, do my own blood testing every day quarter or so just to make sure things are sort of on track there and but generally speaking I'm, I, I've gained a lot of awareness when it comes to how yeah. my body and my mind operates yeah I love that so everybody remember Voxer it's an amazing tool I use it in my coaching practice as well group coaching and also just check out Ari's website it's lessdoing.com correct yes correct. And um, definitely listen to um, a couple of his audiobooks. They changed my life and tracking. This is the first step in change. And all these tools, you too can spend time doing what makes you happy versus um, returning emails <laughs> all day long, furiously. So, Ari, thank you for being here. And please, everyone, tune in next week for another uh, riveting conversation about a habit that may change your life. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Habits for Happiness. Please join Lady Fuller for another edition of the program next Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, discover how to find your new happy place.